Occult Confessions is brought to you commercial-free through the generous support of our patrons. Visit occultconfessions.com and click on Donate to help keep the history of the occult on the digital airwaves. You're listening to our Sex and Spirituality series, which will contain references to various aspects of human sexuality and may not be suitable for all listeners. On July the 25th, 1755, Giacomo Casanova, arguably the most famous libertine in Western history, was arrested for possession of illicit literature. Among the books authorities confiscated from his house were the Key of Solomon, the Zohar, and the devil-conjuring Picatrix. Casanova, a prodigious gambler, had gotten himself into debt. To pay off those debts, he'd sold his lover's diamonds. His lover was a nun at an island convent whose identity Casanova took with him to the grave. He called this nun by the initials M.M. in his 3,600-page memoir that he was unable to complete before his death in 1798. In addition to selling M.M.'s jewels, Casanova also became involved in underground markets, trading at least in part in banned books like those the state inquisitor had caught him with in Venice. Early in his life, Casanova had attempted to enter the priesthood, and he knew enough of Kabbalah to convince a senator and three of his occult-inclined friends that he possessed a secret numerological formula, and yet, in his autobiography, Casanova professed disdain for magical thinkers of all kinds, iterating at every opportunity the Enlightenment credo that one must only trust reason in answering life's many questions and quandaries. In his book, Casanova the Irresistible, Philippe Sollers says, and I'm quoting, Casanova is a Kabbalist. He is a magician. But contrary to common sense, even one that claims to be reasonable, he doesn't believe in it. He is constantly making fun of the credulity of the elite of his time. How can a man be both a magician and a disbeliever in magic? Today, we elicit the occult confession of a man who contracted more venereal diseases than I have letters after my name, the profoundly unencumbered Giacomo Casanova. And who better to discuss this libertine than the literals? Yes, that's right. Not one, but two literals gathered again. Olivia, I know you've been missing her friends out there in the podcastosphere. She's been busy, but I got her back for you. Here she is. I'm here. I'm back. <laughs> I'm here. That's all I've got. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of sick. But <laughs> You're singing. Yeah, see, uh, Olivia's always got something going on, but, but she's here with us. So what's going on, man? What are you studying? They, everybody knows oh, you're back. God. You're back in class. <laughs> like something in, you don't hate. Like in general, what am I like? Theater <laughs> as my major, oh, yes, or but, but like, what, what is there a particular anything that you're studying that you're not hating these days? Yeah, um, I'm taking a. I'm taking a lot of like. So I'm taking a reading women's writing class. That's pretty fun. And then I'm taking a. What uh, women have you been reading that are writing? Well, I was just talking right before we started recording about how I just finished uh, We Have Always Lived in the Castle, Shirley Jackson. We recommend Shirley Jackson. Shirley Jackson's great. She writes oh, great ghost stories. Yeah. I mean, she's also great to just, like, dive into, like, her, her like, biography and, like, her multiple biographies and, like, how, like, different people, like, kind of portrayed, like, she's very interesting in, like, the whole witch kind of thing. Well, we could, sorry, I don't mm. want to. 
Well, maybe maybe the bonus episode coming up someday. Yeah, well, she kind of was like one of those people where people weren't really sure if she was like a legitimate, like thought of herself as a witch or not. Like you could never mm-hmm. people debate like back and forth. Is it and the haunting? Is that the classic Shirley haunting Jackson? Haunting Hill House haunting is a big Hill one, House. and then everyone yeah. will know the lottery. That's the one with the stairs, right? You know, yeah, the lottery. Everyone in America has to read that in eighth the grade, lottery, I think. Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> but yeah, and I'm also taking a uh, a really cool black women history uh like in the united states class cool so that's pretty cool nice it's been fun yeah brie what's up with you um well i'm so tired that when you said um we're bringing olivia back to her friends i thought you meant me <laughs> so, <laughs> you're, you're, you're her sisters I, yeah i did come over to the house not that long ago but yeah yeah no i just it didn't work. It um, didn't compute. Rob is bringing me back to you, babe, with a <laughs> yeah. burning love inside. Aww. I'm sorry. Okay. There's more songs Frankie Valley coming. Oh, yeah, getting no, close. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is going. Well, I'm doing great. your show, so there's that. That's true. I've cu- I've kept you awake this long. Yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> crashing real fast. <laughs> I hear you. I hear also, you. wouldn't Houdini be someone that was a magician that didn't really believe in magic well yeah, but a different kind of magician i mean casanova well, yeah, for sure but i just am he was thinking. kind of an occulty man yeah yeah we'll get into it we'll get into it but yes that's a good example but houdini he wanted to different. believe but he couldn't yeah, believe true, true, true. yeah casanova i think his the way his approach to belief we'll, we'll explore it we'll explore it all right here shall we yes First time live for you guys, right? Oh, in a really while. Is, I feel like I haven't done this in a hot second, too. It's going to feel good. I promise you. I, when I did it with James a couple weeks ago, it felt good. Ooh, got you ready? a little bit? Yeah, I'm yeah. excited. Oh, okay, good, good. <sighs> We, the members of the secret order of alchemical actors, do solemnly commit ourselves to a full and honest telling of the history of the occult as far as we know it. Come on, that felt good, didn't it? That was still there. I think that was still ready to come out. Yeah. Everyone's getting tired of us celebrating how much fun this is. Riley did it last week, and it's like riding a bike. Like riding a bike. Okay. Plugs and patrons. Olivia? Plug, plug, plug. All right, here's the deal. We got some new patrons. Echo W, Cameron H, Darren W, TC, and a pledge bump from Yuki. All right. Woo! Thanks, you guys. Thanks, guys. We've been doing the reviews during the plugs and new things so that we can get more people to do reviews of us. Freddie88, feeding us five stars on Podchaser, and Leak Toys, or Lecky Toys, Norwegian listener. Uh... It's like if a giggling Roman Mars is lecturing on the occult and mythical to his inquisitive but millennial witch students. Hmm. Wow, we should, that should somehow be like branded on us. Right. Yeah. I love the notion of being a giggling Mars. I don't. I don't know if I'm a god of war, but I'll take it. No, yeah, that's delightful. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thanks for that, uh, Norway. Um, Someone did mention, and I want to bring this up. I don't, I don't want to get controversial or anything. We had a review that was not so positive uh, about our Tantra episodes and whether or not they were uh, the, our gender politics on that. Now, I, I just want to say I had a conversation with some of our Discord folks, and we don't, uh, our gender politics are not the same as our sources. So, naturally, Indian sources that go back several thousand years have gender politics where there are just the two genders, and that's their perspective. Now, today, we understand gender to be more of a uh, spectrum uh, that than would have been the case in even the 70s. We're talking about some 70s tantric folks. 
Um, so that's just how it is. I am. Uh, I don't. Con- I, I just want to say to everybody, I don't consider myself to be woke. <laughs> I may be. Uh, I don't know more woke than some, but I don't identify with uh, any particular party. I am uh, try to be in the middle of the road here, as much as possible, and I actually try to steer clear of politics. I think that the point of the show is to explore these topics and and not to to alienate anyone because of political opinions. Um, For that having been said, I think it's incumbent on us as people who have a platform to honor everybody's humanity uh, and to not take anyone's identity away from them. Uh, So that's where we draw the line. Is that right? No, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know exactly what the... I couldn't quite understand what the issue was. Uh, I I think it had to do with the fact that the tantric sources just, you know, they have two genders. It's not... Like a modern, yeah, it's not know. a modern source. We know, yeah. oh, we like, know, sexuality is flowed as shit. But right, sexuality, gender, all that. You right. know, we, yeah. we get to play around with that. But that's just not how they felt in seventies Wicca. It's not how they felt right. in the turn. You know, zero, year one yoga, yogic, uh, Vedic religion. So, anyhow, <laughs> we we are uh, we're open to everybody. Uh, and to everyone is entitled to uh, what identify however they please, and uh, we honor yeah. everybody's humanity there. Uh, but beyond that, I might not be as woke as you want me to be. I'm trying. <laughs> I feel like you're pretty. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I, I from on the spectrum, yeah. You're but, a liberal yeah. person. Yeah, I still will speak my mind, though, whether or not it necessarily agrees with whatever's fashionable. That's all. Yeah, yeah. That's all. You're all right. Sagittarius. I'm a Sagittarius. Close up the damn plugs. I'll end it with that. <laughs> plug me out. Plug, plug, plug. <laughs> Let's get back to Casanova. Now, come on, you guys, you got to be a little little teased on Casanova here. Right? Come on. No, I definitely would like to understand, like, mm-hmm. what, like, why people say, because, like, I only understand it as, like, a... Like as a phrase, like an expression, like oh, yeah, that, that guy's a Casanova, a sex and man. it's always a gendered. Like it's never like you never hear a girl, Could like a woman a is a Casanova yeah. or anything. It's always a male. So a male who has many partners, right? Is a that's Casanova. The, that's what I always well, that's, understood. That's it pretty as. good. That's that's oh, authentic okay. to well, the man. Well, I want to know why that is. <laughs> okay. We're gonna find yeah, out. I, I guess. Know, <laughs> I know the we have to wait for the sex because we're gonna start in jail because he just got thrown in prison. Remember in the intro? Well, we're not gonna go there. Not for him. Not for him. Right. The same day as his arrest, Casanova was thrown into a cell in the Piombi, or the Leds, a notorious prison beneath the Doges, or Ducal Palace in Venice, directly under the palace's lead roof. So that's why they called it the Leds. Are you laughing at Ducal? Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. It's, I don't, the alternative would be Duckle. It does, it does, I got it. I got (laughs) what you were laughing at, (laughs) All our Green Day fans out there. That's what I was thinking, you know. The cell was slightly shorter than Casanova, who was six feet tall. Imagine that being confined to a room that is a little bit shorter than you are. Oh, that's like torture. Yeah. So he had to duck in the duckle palace to stand inside. The jailer, Lorenzo, was responsible for buying... This is weird. I mean, just get used to Enlightenment prison in Venice. Listen to this. Lorenzo the jailer was responsible for buying or otherwise procuring Casanova whatever he needed. You just gave him cash and he went out and bought you stuff. But is that just because, like, wait, so what was his, did he have a status? 
He that, was yeah, he was a warranted he, like he, he was a kind of aristocrat. He's a quasi aristocrat his whole life. He has money though to like depending on when, what year you catch him, yeah. But he tries to be a gentleman. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, but he'll go out and buy your stuff. Casanova requested his bed and chair and clothing from his apartment. He was not allowed to have paper, pencil, razors, and a mirror to prevent suicide or communication between prisoners. He was alone to the point that no noise that he made could be heard except during brief visits from his jailer around daybreak. The jailer took his order, and he spent down his money on food in the first 10 days so that the tribunal holding him had to give him a small allowance. Casanova was sick for the first part of his stay and didn't eat much. It was the hottest part of the summer, especially in the cell, and he was covered in fleas, and he prevented uh, the rats below, which he was afraid of. So Casanova, afraid of rats. This is a good thing to be afraid of. I get it, yeah. It's <laughs> understandable. Terrifically afraid of rats, he prevented them from crawling up into his cell by keeping the covering of his cell's grates shut tight. He was desperate for reading material to pass the time, and his inquisitor sent him the mystical city of God, the story of a Franciscan nun named Maria of Agreda, who had a mystical vision of the life of Mary, mother of Jesus, who Maria claimed swept the floor at the age of three with the aid of an army of angels. Little baby Mary was sweeping the, the floor. There's a lot to digest there that yeah, you just sorry. said. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. a lot to take in. So that's what he had to read, this mystic's story, and the mystic was having visions of Mary who was sweeping floors with angels. Well, why'd she need the angels to sweep the floor? Because why would you do it alone if you have angels? But So he could have books? That's fine. He can have books, yes. Can't kill himself with a book? Yeah, but this book was making him crazy. Like, he was, uh, it was very hot, and he was cramped, and he was reading this book, and he wasn't eating, so he was starting to waste away. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was probably confused as to why he needed a bunch of angels to sweep the floor. <laughs> he was constipated. He developed internal hemorrhoids, which sounds... <gasps> He was constipated and developed internal hemorrhoids, ah. which sounds horrible. He worried for, worried for his health. Lorenzo, the jailer, brought a doctor to see him. Although Casanova was generally hostile to doctors who he believed were all fools or charlatans. I Amen. Love this guy. Oh, no, sorry. Right? I mean, come on. Yeah, there's something I to it. I actively avoid a doctor to this day. Yeah, he's the literal sub- family are not fans of doctors. Uh-huh. But he's in bad shape, so he submitted to this physician's treatment, as the literal sisters, I'm sure, do when you're in very bad shape. Only when Ryan straps me down. And the doctor was pretty cool. He got Casanova lemonade and stayed with him through the night. Oh, wow, that's nice. Pretty good Lonely. doctor. I feel like that would not help with internal... Never mind. Well, the next day he bled Embry and negotiated with Casanova's captors for better conditions, which was nice. Okay. The air in here is stifling. I have attained permission to have you move to the garret, where it is not so hot as here. I decline the favor, for I detest rats. You may not be aware, but they're so numerous that they would crawl into my bed. Ugh, Dreadful. I told Cavalli he nearly killed you with his books, and he told me to bring them back to him and he would give you Boethius instead. Here it is. He is a greater author than Seneca. I thank you. I'm leaving you with a syringe and some barley water. You can amuse yourself with enemas. Casanova believed they would release him on October the 1st, since that was the end of the old Inquisitor's term and the start of the new Inquisitor's term, but the day came and went with no change. Casanova had no idea what specifically he'd been imprisoned for or what his sentence was. He was caught with these books, but they never sentenced him to anything. They never told him. Oh, that's right. This is like inquisitory Yeah, they just stick you in the cell. They didn't have to, yeah. They didn't say nothing. 
So he tried to work through the logic of the Inquisition's tribunal. When his tribunal takes an action against a delinquent, it is already convinced that he is the one. Why would they need to speak to him? And once they have condemned him, why give him the bad news of his sentence? His consent is not necessary. It is better, they think, to let him hope. After October came and went, Casanova realized that he had no sense of the length of his sentence. This is when his imprisonment became unbearable and his libertine sensibility overcame him. Casanova had to escape no matter what it took. His first attempt to escape was digging through the floor of his cell with a sharpened door spike. What is a door spike? Like what holds a yeah. door open? Yeah, part of the door. Oh. Uh, and that was thwarted when the jailer Lorenzo moved him to another cell. He was given a cellmate, Soradachi, who spied for the tribunal and betrayed his trust, giving them some of Casanova's letters. Damn, that sucks. He has such a great name. Soradachi? Yeah, yeah I wanted him to be like BFFs with him. Nah, he's kind of a fool. Damn. Yeah, pity, pity Soradachi. Uh, so... Uh, Casanova prayed to the Blessed Virgin to curse Soradachi, and Soradachi began to suffer from stomach pains and ulcers on his stomach until Casanova forgave him, and he felt better. Oh. Yeah, Casanova's a powerful man. Realizing how foolish and credulous Soradachi could be, Casanova's like, ah, this guy's a fool. He believed I cursed him. Casanova took advantage of him, telling him that an angel was coming to chisel away at the room and set him free. The angel, he said, had been sent by the Virgin Mary, and so Soradachi must not betray her work to the jailer or she would surely curse him again. It hurt the last time, so he's like, okay. Yeah, I mean... The angel was actually their neighboring prisoner, a monk named Balducci. You like that name? Because he's going to be okay. That's pretty cool, too. I, I like mean, Balducci. everyone's going to have, I feel like, pretty nice names in Venice, <laughs> in Venice. right now. Yeah. You know? Honestly. And Balducci used the sharpened spike to break through the wall. So Casanova, like, snuck him the sharpened spike, and he... This spike is getting shit done. Well, because the spike, remember, he was moved cells, so he left the spike behind in the old cell, and Balducci discovered it, started chiseling at the wall, and Soradachi's like, what's that sound? And Casanova's like, well, that's that's Mary, Mother of God, trying to chisel into our cell, or she'll curse you if you tell anybody. right, Casanova. So now it's time to escape. Before escaping, he undertook a couple of occult divinations. Now, this is fascinating. He performed a Kabbalistic oracle using a poem by Ariento. He did a numerological pyramid, starting by assigning numbers to the letters that form the question of when he should escape. So when should I escape? He assigned numbers to the letters. Oh, he kind of did like chaos magic, sort of. I mean, chaos magic is drawing on numerology if it does these sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. The pyramid structure worked the numbers down to a single digit, nine. He repeated the exercise to get the number seven and one, learning that he should read the first line of the seventh stanza of the ninth canto of Ariento's poem. Remarkably, the line actually referred to a specific time between October and November. You're going to love this date. The only time this could refer to reason Casanova was midnight on October 31st. I knew you were going to say that, yeah, that's but pretty metal. I like that it. is yeah. like, yeah. if I see that, I'm like, okay, 100% committed to what's yeah. going on. <laughs> so, but the poem, that's what it said, between October and November, it could only be one time. Midnight, October 31st is the only time between the two months. 
So, at midnight, the monk Balducci bridged the wall, and Casanova pried the lead roof tile off the leads up just enough to allow them to sneak through and escape onto the roof. Soradachi was too cowardly to come along and stayed behind with a 70-year-old count who gave Casanova two sequins, which is a currency. Oh, okay. Daring a deadly fall to their death from the roof, the monk and Casanova crawled their way with a makeshift rope to a window that Casanova broke open, and they ended up inside the chancellery. After carving a hole in the wooden door, they confronted a great iron door that they couldn't breach. So... Casanova cleaned himself up as much as he could. He gave the monk his cape and then looked out of the window and a passerby saw him and started calling to the doorman who, thinking that he had accidentally locked someone inside, came and unlocked the door. Casanova and Balducci just ran past him, didn't even say anything. I love it. Just sprinted past him and ran out into the street. So now people are starting to get alarmed, but Hmm. they got into a gondola which is handy in Venice. Oh my gosh! And boated away. Wow. Gone. That's Peace. Wait, so, like, how long they did this in, like, very quickly? Like, because it sounds like they went through a lot of, like, Reading doors. Reading it, it and, took a couple hours, I think, for them to get and no one, to the gondola. Well, I guess this is, like, at a weird time at night, so no one's, like. I cut out a few, you know, of the details, but yeah, yeah he's, like, yeah, going yeah. up and down steps and trying different doors. And, yeah, getting okay. through the door. So he had to carve through the wooden door. So, yeah, it took him a couple hours, but. Yeah. Then he's in the gondola, and he's gone. Okay, wow. Good for him, I guess, you know? And the monk. Good day for them both. Good day for the monk, too. Mm-hmm. It's the last they see of each other. Oh. So. Well, that's sad. They don't go on to do, like, buddy comedies together or anything. Oh, <laughs> I thought they were going to be good cop, bad cop. Yeah, so, beyond his catalog of sexual exploits, the escape from the leads is Casanova's most famous feat, and it serves as a kind of metaphor for his life. He was a quintessentially enlightenment man. He refused to accept any system that he couldn't himself rationalize, and this gave Casanova his reputation as one of the century's most famous libertines. When I call Casanova a libertine with the root word liberty, I mean that he did not deprive himself of any pleasure he felt able to access within the bounds of his own good sense and morality, and that he acted according to his own will without regard for dogmas or ideologies. This, to me, makes him sound like an existentialist. You guys may think of a certain... I was thinking it sounds like, uh, what's the political thing where you your hands Oh, libertarianisms? Libertarian, yeah, isn't yeah. that? Yeah. yeah them okay. libertarians. I, I was thinking you might think of Crowley That's or... That's what I was thinking. Oh, yeah. I went I a political way. Satanism, that. maybe. Oh, okay. I, I mean, was thinking. Basic existentialism, though. It, it's yeah. that, you know, you have a moral compass, essentially, but that beyond your determined morality, you don't turn to anybody else for the rules. Sure. I guess, in a way, Satanism and or libertarianism have, like, Boy. not a lot in common, but... Well. We could call up our friends over at the Satanism podcast, uh, Black Mass Appeal, and you can talk to them about that connection. Yeah, please let me know. There might be a logic to it. I, I don't know. They tend to identify as being lefty, but... Yeah, I guess... Because religious liberty and all tends to be identified more with the left. Right. Anyhow. Well, then, okay, well then, I was thinking, too, about like the Satanic Temple, and then they go a whole nother... Well, I mean, if we want to get into it... I, well, I'm saying religious liberty is identified with the left, but frequently the right is now using, in the United States anyway, religious liberty to justify things like, you know, not providing birth control. And if you work for a Catholic school, like mm. they're leaning on religious liberty for that. But it used to be the left who would be like, that's why the, you know, Navajo should be able to use whatever they want in their ceremonies and that kind of stuff. Mm. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> 
Interesting question. Not to derail everything. (laughs) We'll we'll go there for a second. Casanova was not bound by family, career, religious dogma, or law. But that didn't mean to say that he was an anarchist or a nihilist. Casanova, like many other 19th century men and women, believed in the absolute power of reason as the arbiter of good and bad, right and wrong. In matters of religion, everything that couldn't be rationalized was superstition. A law similarly had to have its justification. In medicine, the doctor had to defend his treatments with evidence. This is how Casanova freed himself from the various prejudices of his age, at least in his own estimation. This is how he liked to think of himself. In the note he left for the Inquisitors in his jail cell, yes, he wrote a little note before he left. Oh, God. so cute. Before he climbed out on the roof, he wrote about the cowardly spy who had been his cellmate. If I have the good fortune to escape... I make a present of everything I have left to Francisco Soredacci, who remains prisoner because he fears the dangers to which I will expose myself and does not love, as I do, his freedom more than his life. He threw that man. I mean, that's honestly some petty shit that I admire. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> he might have been a Scorpio because that's like straight up. He gave him all his stuff, though. That was nice. No, but that's... I know. That's some passive-aggressive petty bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm there for it. Even in the relatively libertine atmosphere of Enlightenment continental Europe, Casanova pushed the boundaries. At the end of his life, his editors considered his memoir to be too scandalous to be printed as it was. His Histoire de ma vie was written in Ducks or Dukov in Bohemia. Dukov. Wait, is that a place? Is that what you're saying? It is. Oh, okay. That's a place. Histoire de ma vie, French, uh, then Bohemian, I guess, is Dukov. Anyway. Okay. Dukov, Ducal, it's a dookie day. Mm, He wrote in French, uh, but the book was first published in German and then translated from the German back into the French. In the process, the original was forgotten until Casanova's original manuscript was rediscovered in the 1960s. Wait, why was it? You said the original was written in French? Written in French, but before it could be... It it was published in German and then translated back into French. Because when it was translated into German, they did a lot of editing. So it was the German wasn't version. It, oh, wasn't was he Italian? Published. No. Yeah. Is he Italian man? Was he speaking? We'll get to his origins in a second. But he's speaking French. Oh, he speaks I think French. In his lifetime. I just assumed. I he, guess. Was, he was he was not born Venice. in France, but in his lifetime I think he probably spoke a lot of French. He spoke everything. He traveled the world. I mean like but, France is like not that far. And from... he was living in Germany at the end of his life, so he probably spoke German, oh, Italian. Okay, okay. That's what yeah. I was wondering. Uh Casanova started writing in 1789 and worked on it until his death in 1798. Pretty much like French Revolution years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The story was too incredible to be kept from the public, but his editors felt it was also too scandalous to be published as it was. Bodily details of smells, the luxury of his table, political opinions, and the true nature of his sexual exploits were excised by his translator, Professor Lafourgue. Yeah. That's kind of interesting because normally, like, once people die, like, like I, I was just, I, I had to just learn about, like, Kate Chopin or whatever, however mm-hmm. you say her name and, like, how, like, a lot of her stuff, like, wasn't published until after she was dead because it was so scandalous. But then once she was dead, they were like, all right, we'll publish this shit. Her reputation can't be ruined, but. I think Casanova, kinda... it was a matter of, like, he had a kind of celebrity or, I don't know. I... Oh, I mean, but really what we're talking about, like smells and foods and stuff, is like the sensual details. There was almost a worry that you would get too aroused reading Casanova. 
I guess this is like not even close oh, to like the yeah. romantic period yet even. So it's like the language probably wouldn't. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. If it was like in more of like a Victorian era, could well not that they would have said anything scandalous, but they have like a different. And I think if he's a great sensory. hero of like rationalism yeah. and liberty, yeah. it's weird that he's like he has these like sumptuous tables full of food that he's like you know consuming with these women like like a hundred oysters and then he like screws her on the oyster bed and you know People what i mean pay good money for that kind of content <laughs> that sounds so unpleasant though put that on only yeah the shells Ooh. yeah the shells he, he did eat a lot of oysters okay so Oh, that's an Afri- 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 aphrodisiac. There, uh, I can't say it. Aphrodisiac. Let's count down to the literal sisters doing the man's horoscope. Casanova was born on Easter Sunday, the second of April, seventeen twenty-five. I don't. What's? I don't even know what that is. I I do not. What's do April? This. <laughs> All right. April. April. No, I know what April is. <laughs> I the was month after March. Your April. I wasn't saying that April wasn't March. Fact April. Late March is like Aries still, right? So, yeah. so I guess early April. Oh, if he is an Aries, that could explain. Some yeah, but shit what too, would later but... April be? What is? Well, this is the second. Oh, it is an Aries. Aries. That explains. Um, yeah, that explains, some, explains some things about this man. His mother, Zanetta, was an actress, as was his father. Also explains some things about that him, does it not? also does. <laughs> Speaking as theater people all, we can say that says a lot about you. Gaetano Casanova was oh his God, dad. Oh, my God, names. I know, Gaetano. that was kind of like, ooh. Zanetta yeah. and Gaetano. A little, little pep in my step with that one. <laughs> Gaetano made his children swear never to p- pursue a life in the theater. It was a profession that was looked oh. down on. <laughs> don't be like me, children, yeah. said. Don't be like your mother. Giacomo mostly kept that promise, but he also spent a lot of his time around doctors, dancers, and singers. Being a child of two actors, Casanova was by no means a member of the nobility. His father died when Casanova was still young, and although his mother was fairly successful as an actress, the boy relied on the patronage of family friends, like, for example, the erotic poet Giorgio Buffo. I thought you were going to plug our patron. <laughs> like, for example. I really did. Much like we rely on the patronage of you, the listeners. Uh, the erotic poet. If any of our patrons are erotic poets, please send us a verse. Reach out. Actually, <laughs> I know a couple of our people that would probably constitute under that uh, nice. category. Huh. Got some erotic yeah. poets out there. This one's for you guys. Uh, also, uh, on the subject of names, do you know what Giacomo Casanova works out to in English if we translate it? No. Jake Newhouse. No. <laughs> yep. No. Yep. That's such a no. Jake Newhouse. Yep. Not douchey. I'm sorry. If your name is Jake Newhouse, I, <laughs> I want to formally Jake apologize. Do not cancel me. He was you on the like Patreon. An asshole, though, if that is your name, that Jake just... Newhouse had pulled up our Patreon. He was about to donate, <laughs> and he just deleted. That he like followed artist. me personally, and yeah. he's now sadly. No, that or he sounds like he does like open mic poetry in a coffee shop. And That's now, the type of douchey sounds like. Jake he definitely Newhouse. sounds like he might be a business major that's all i'm saying oh i got like i got a different vibe from that but it is giacomo casanova so that's a lot more like yeah sexier yeah his earliest memory is of a bloody nose he had at the age of eight that was so horrible his grandmother marcia decided to take him in a gondola to a witch living in murano the okay, witch that's called trauma that yeah. is i was that was not what i was gonna say it's gonna get more traumatizing okay what what, what were you gonna say 
It just sounds kind of delightful to me. Oh, Bree's <laughs> yeah. ready for this ride. It's a gondola ride to a witch. Come With on. Bloody Would nose. you have liked if your first memory on this <laughs> earth was a bloody ride to a gondola witch? Was your gondola nose gushing as mom threw you in a gondola and took you to the local witch and <laughs> the Eastern wait, wait, wait. Shore? I'll tell you, I'll tell you as an adult, happen. I would say yes. That would be delightful. As an eight year old, I Brie, might be a different person. I'll tell you what happens to you. Okay. The witch locked him in a trunk mm. and then he went into a kind of fit oh the witch went into a kind of fit she was oh. laughing she was crying oh my god i like she was a beating trunk on the trunk, trunk. yeah I like thought, a, like i'm a like a car trunk. at first i'm sorry no there's I'm no sorry. cars no gondola trunks that <laughs> gondola <laughs> trunk. then the witch took him out of the trunk undressed him wrapped the child in a sheet that she had infused with smoke from burning medicine she gave him pills and rubbed an unguent on the nape of his neck dressed him again and told him never to speak of her treatment or he would bleed out and die Okay, as a child, I would not like that, but as an adult, if somebody did that to me now, I would be pleased. It's good Halloween entertainment right there. How long was his nose bleeding where they were like... He should have frequent nosebleeds. Olivia, you used to have like I... massive, like, 15-minute long nosebleeds <laughs> where just you'd be bleeding thinking. into the sink for 15 minutes. Oh, so you're like Casanova. Straight. I had, like, chronic... like bad. Yeah. I had really, like, blood clots. Like, all the, like, my mom was like... Someone should have stuck you in a trunk. No, she took me to a doctor, <laughs> but... <laughs> good call on... Good call for Annette, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, she said that a charming woman would visit him the following night, and he should be silent in her presence. The next night, her prediction came true. In his sleep, a woman arrived wearing a fiery crown. She sat gently on the bed beside him and emptied the contents of several boxes onto his head. She spoke a series of words he couldn't understand, and then she left. His health improved, along with his memory, and he learned to read. But the nasal hemorrhages would not go away entirely, and so Giorgio Boffo suggested to his mother that they take the child to a boarding school in Padua. Okay, but what was Better in the air boxes? Or some shit? What was what? In the boxes. We don't know. Secrets. Oh. Secret de- dream things. Also, was he scared of this, or was it just like... No, I think he was on board with Fiery Crown Lady with the boxes. It's not like that was not my terrifying. sleep paralysis demon is here. See, I, no, this was okay. I can I agree with this. This I was like kind this. of like an angelic, you know, gotcha. like a helper had arrived. Okay, well that's good then. So the incident with the witch, I believe, set the tone for Casanova's disregard for doctors and interest in alternative intuitive healing, because it kind of worked for him. Not yeah. completely, but he felt better. Looking back, he acknowledged that while some of what the witch accomplished may have been faked, the change in his condition was real, although not complete. And the witch taught him the power of occultism to impress and influence those willing to believe. So there was also a lesson there in if you get people to believe in what you're doing, whether it's real or fake, it has a real impact on people's health or life. That's yeah. like our throwback to the Mind body. Yeah. The remedies for the worst illnesses are not always found in the pharmacy. And every day a phenomenon shows us our ignorance. There were never sorcerers in the world, but their power has always existed with respect to those whom they had the talent to make believe in them. He started his career in Padua at a Slavonic woman's boarding house. Wait, where is Pat? Is, that, is this still Italy? Where yeah, is this? Pa- uh, Venice. Oh, yeah, he's outside oh this of is literally now. still yeah, in Venice. He went from Padua. Venice to Padua. Uh, for boys, where he slept on dirty sheets in the attic and lived on bad soup, dried fish, and drink, a drink called graspia, which Paduans made by boiling grape stems in water. And then, so like the wine leftovers, the stem, right? Like they were like, I've never even licked a grape stem. Yeah, you boil that and you drink it. 
stems are you for for you boys yeah you boys get the stem juice take me back to the witch like, <laughs> casanova called graspi a foul yeah, yeah i could imagine yeah. that was <laughs> he attended a nearby school where his teacher the priest and dr gotzi favored him and had him write to his mother and grandmother requesting payment of two sequins a month to move the boy to his house oh i don't like that his beloved grandmother Marcia arrived and was appalled by conditions in the Slavonic woman's house and agreed to relocate the boy. The move to Dr. Gotzi's, it'd be just like, you know, if I was like, oh, Brie, you're having a bad time. You can have my spare bedroom. That sounds so much nicer than this, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> it does. It does sound less... It's uh, much, much nicer sounding yeah. than the This would be more like if my mom's old pastor was like... Let me take one of your you kids move off in? your hands. Yeah, but you're not living near. You're away from home. That's not the issue, Rob. <laughs> the issue is not away from home. All right, let me tell you what happened uh, to Dr. Gotzi. My issue Gotzi's. is the, the, the two people involved would be yes. awkward. The teacher and the student? Like, yes, it just awkward seems... is the issue. Yeah, but he's going to try to bang the guy's sister. The move to Dr. Gotzi's introduced Casanova to his first romantic interest, Dr. Gotzi's sister, Bettina, who was about three years older than Casanova. Oh, shit. He was 12, and Bettina oh was about 14. Mm. Okay. Uh. Girls mature faster. Casanova's mother sent the girls... That means nothing. Casanova's mother... <laughs> he says two, two girls Sorry. who have gone through puberty. Just, just wanted to throw that in there. It makes, no, <laughs> Thank in, you. in this case... We're going the wrong direction, so it should be. Anyway, Casanova's mother sent the girl some fabric and several pairs of gloves to thank Bettina for dressing Giacomo's hair. As a result, Bettina took more interest in young Casanova because she could get some stuff in the mail. Yeah, she's getting gloves. She moved from washing his hair to washing his chest. Oh, God. And then his thighs. Uh. And then, Casanova says, the sweet pleasure her curiosity caused in me did not cease until it could increase... No more. Uh, so gross. I just can't. I, I can't think about him being like twelve. I that's can't, my. Can't do it. That's right, my right, thing. Right. That I'm like, okay, you. cool, good for you. This, so that's gross. not the least of the wildness in this book. Casanova's book is. It definitely challenges 21st century sensibilities. So don't write me another review. I am not responsible for Casanova. <laughs> I'm just telling you what he said. But the Edenic bliss of Casanova and Bettina was short-lived as a snake was soon to arrive. Gotzi decided... <laughs> that, was, that might be me. Gotzi decided to board three more boys, and Bettina started a fling with a 15-year-old named Condiani. That's a good name, but... Well, now they're 14 and 15. That's okay, that's right? Better. Okay. It's better than 12 But is she old. still living also with Casanova? Is he still... Casanova's in the same house. Well, this is going to get awkward. It is. Casanova considered Condiani an inferior coarse farm boy... Whereas Casanova was, you know, a refined actor child. Uh, but re- okay, he, I don't know. He, all right, <laughs> it's fine. But he recognized that he had the advantage because he had gotten all the way through puberty. So Condiani is older and <laughs> has finished puberty. And Casanova's yeah. like, if I could just go through puberty, she'd like me better. But I'm oh, well, 12. That's, you know, it's I'm watching Malcolm funny. in the Middle right now. And that's a common theme. You're watching Malcolm in the Middle right now? Throwback. Yeah, it's... Anyway, all right. <laughs> in a strange twist, Bettina suddenly became very ill, thrashing and spiking a fever. Her grandmother believed she'd gotten cursed by a sorceress masquerading as a housemaid, and they called for the most famous exorcist in Padua, Fra Prospero de Bovarenta. That's a good name. I would trust him. 
Uh, you shouldn't. Casanova oh. described Bovalenta as ugly but vain of his beard, combing oh. it ten times a day. He's one of those. <laughs> one of those vain beard men. Yeah, we yeah. have a lot of those we now, don't we? We got a lot of them. Wow. He's back. His thing is back. Ugly beard men. Bettina told him if he wanted to cast out her demon, Bovalenta that is, he must cut half of his beard off. <laughs> She's pretty funny, Bettina. Rather than trim his facial hair, Bovalenta left, and Bettina threw a glass of black liquor at his head as he was walking out the door. Yeah! Get that ugly beard man out. (laughs) Casanova came to discover that these fits started when Condiani spied Bettina pleasuring Casanova through the floorboards and threatened to tell her brother if she didn't give over Casanova to him. Rather than submit to Condiani's blackmail, Bettina decided instead to pretend she was possessed. (laughs) Their relationship. You know, I wish I had thought about that tactic when I was younger. Get caught in a lie. <laughs> and didn't want to be involved with like certain boys or something. And be like, oh, I'm possessed. Sorry. Got a demon in me. She got the pox eventually, oh. Bettina. That's how that story ended with her. She survived, like, I think, but okay. the, the pox would mutilate what is the you. Small pox. Oh my yeah. God. Literally, I'm so dumb. <laughs> I'm said, so sorry. Chicken. <laughs> yes. Horrible. <laughs> like, Olivia. I'm so sorry, guys. We have I'm ah uh, yes, the great plague of <laughs> a scarring case of chickenpox. Chickenpox. Yeah, I think you probably could get scarred with chickenpox, but you have to work at it. Get it really let that. You go. definitely. Oh no, that's shingles that you get like if you yeah. scars didn't from, right? Have chickenpox, I think. No, shingles is just. Yeah, weird. you know, if you had them, you can you yeah. get the shingles. I don't remember the. We're not giving medical advice. <laughs> uh, don't don't listen to anything we're saying about these subjects. Bettina with by by that I mean Pox, not Bettina. We know about her. Bettina with her fake possession laid the groundwork for Casanova's natural skepticism of all things supernatural. In telling the story of Bettina, he said he always doubted the sincerity of her fits, suspecting a far more natural cause than demons or devils. And in her confession, he was proved right. From the witch that cured him, he learned the power of magic, and from Bettina, how supernaturalism can be faked for personal gain. Hmm. By 1745, he was back in the city of Venice, working as a violinist at the San Samuel Theater. Oh my he, god, who knew he could play violin this whole time? Not right? me? Nope. Well, his parents were actors, so I'm sure he's just like doing that on the side. Okay, good That's for him. Should, okay. Here, he more or less crystallized his own distinct occult ideology, acknowledging the power of magic and magical thinking to influence people and even the physical world, but refusing to adhere to any particular occult metaphysics. I'll explain this. His stint as a violinist was, in his opinion, a professional rock bottom. He had started... Oh, yeah. you said as a violinist yeah, was his rock violin- bottom? Yeah, this is his rock bottom. I know, like today, like to be like a violinist in some opera pit. Probably make decent money well, like as a classical staying oh well yeah, yeah. and these people yeah they fight they, they work hard they violin all For the time sure. and casanova's like this sucks i'm like the dregs of society i'm violin man and he's right that is how they were treated hmm. uh he had started as an aspiring priest before switching to the military both professions with a certain social standing but a theater musician was as good as down and out might as well be homeless A 21-year-old Casanova spent time with a cohort of frat brother friends from the theater playing cruel pranks on the citizens of Venice, like... I'm using frat brother as a comparison. They didn't have a frat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They cut the ropes of gondolas and let them drift through the canal. Oh, shit. They rung the alarm bells to wake citizens of the town, and this one's kind of hilarious. They would run into unlocked doors in the middle of the night, wake everyone in the house, and tell them their door is open. Oh, I like that. (laughs) That's That's delightful. (laughs) That's the best one. You guys! You guys! 
left your door open. I mean, what year was this? Like, what else are you? What, are, what else are you doing as a twenty-one-year-old male? In seventeen forty-five, other than running into unlocked doors. But it was cruel. I mean, the gondola thing was cruel. Yeah, those gondolas are. Well, that I was like. Off. Yeah, they got also like, swim the gondola after traffic. Right. The oh, gondola yeah. traffic. Clogging up the canal. Mm. This cruel frivolity ground to a halt one fateful night when Casanova was playing a gig at a three-day wedding feast. Those were the days when you had three-day wedding feasts. He noticed a red-robed senator going to his gondola. The man dropped a letter which Casanova retrieved and sought to bring to him. The senator thanked Casanova and offered to give the young man a ride back from the feast. On the trip through the canal, the senator began to feel poorly. Oh, I'm so numb. I feel as if I've lost my arm. And now it feels as though my leg is gone too. Stop this gondola. Young man, I do believe I may be dying. We need a surgeon at once. This man must be bled. He's been struck by apoplexy. They brought the man, Senator Bragadan, into his house. A priest and a doctor and two friends arrived to attend him. The man's friends told Casanova that they would stay beside him through the night, and he could leave if he liked, but Casanova insisted on staying. I was certain if I left, the sick man would die, just as I was certain that he would not so long as I was there. Senator Bragadan's doctor gave him a mercury salve, which he placed on his patient's chest. That's a salve made of mercury. This caused, and this won't surprise you, a violent brain disturbance in the senator, which horrified Casanova, but not the doctor, who said he'd anticipated this change in his condition. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's totally normal. And the, sen- the senator's brain. fluids, in disequilibrium, need only spread from the head to the rest of his body, which they most certainly would the next day. By midnight, the senator was gasping for breath, and Casanova saw death in his eyes. Casanova told the senator's friends that they had to deliver him from the thing that was killing him and removed the mercury from his chest. Good call. Yes, get the doctor out. He's the one killing him. (laughs) In minutes, the senator's fit passed, and he fell asleep. When the doctor returned in the morning, Bragadam was feeling much better, but the doctor was annoyed that his cure had been interrupted, demanding to know who had done it. The senator dismissed him on the spot. The one who delivered me from your mercury is a far better doctor than you. You may cede your position to this young man who shall be my physician from this moment forward. Toodaloo. And so, a theater musician became a doctor to an illustrious Venetian senator, more or less overnight. Isn't this... that how it happened? Back though? then, yeah, you could... Every historical drama I watch. <laughs> this is why we don't trust doctors. This is why... Because they could just be Casanova, who was a violinist the day before. Or because they put mercury on your chest. I'm, I'm more concerned about the mercury guy. He <laughs> had less really... sense than Casanova did in this scenario, the violinist. I think Casanova's often a man of sense. It's a I real right place so. at the right time kind of thing for this guy. Oh, yeah. He's very lucky, like... too. Yeah, very lucky. The incident with the doctor was further proof that Casanova was right to distrust doctors. Suffering from food poisoning one time, a doctor came to bleed Casanova, and he grabbed a pistol and shot at the doctor's assistant, narrowly missing him, driving the man out of his house. Yes, 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 yes. Casanova said, I just drank water for for four days, and then I felt much better. (laughs) He did what every white girl says you have to do to be, like, healthy. It's just drink water. Drink water. You'll lose all that. You'll lose 15 pounds. Just drink water every day. Your skin will be beautiful. You'll have no mental health issues. Your hair will be so luxurious and shiny. Just drink water. Four days of drinking water. Bragadan came to dote on Casanova's advice as if Casanova were an oracle. 
Bragadon said his young doctor knew too much for his age, and there must be something supernatural about him. Casanova improvised a response. I got the wild idea to admit to him, falsely and in the presence of his two friends, that I possessed a numerical formula, according to which I would write down a question posed to me, uh, transpose it into numbers, and thus receive a similarly numerical response, instructing me in everything I wish to know. So you're saying that they're like, oh man, this man knew that mercury is bad, you just gotta drink some water to get that food poisoning out. He's too smart for this world. Right, that's exactly okay. right. Okay, just yeah. making, just clearing that. And also the water. Yeah, mercury's bad for you. Yeah, those I things. Think so. So this numerological formula, said Senator Bragadan, is the key of Solomon and the Kabbalah. So Bragadan's like, I know what you're talking about. It's these things. Casanova said he'd learned it from a hermit on Monte Carpegna uh, while under arrest by the Spanish army. Bragadan and his friend, uh, Signor Dandolo, and also his friend, Signor Barbaro, were very impressed with Casanova's whole numerology story. They'd given Casanova a question, and he'd responded to it with a series of numbers, which the Kabbalistically inclined trio would interpret themselves and always find to be accurate. So, in other words, they'd be like, uh, so, should we, uh, you know run for, you know, senator next month. And Casanova would be like 8, 15, 7, 109. And then these guys would take those numbers. That's all he would say. They would go away and they would like study them. And then they'd come back and be like, thank you, Casanova. That was good advice. Very, 108, you say. It is very much like the Greek oracle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, in this way, Casanova was either acting through unintentional synchronicity or as a kind of random number generator producing Rorschach ink blots in numerical form that his patrons interpreted according to their own predispositions at the moment, Olivia's Greek Oracle. They wanted to know Casanova's secret formula. He said he'd be happy to oblige, but the Spanish hermit told him that uh, he died three days after sharing the formula if he did so before the age of 50. So he was, they were like, can you share your formula with us? He was like, yeah. Uh, but FYI, I'm going to die three days after I share it with you. And they were like, no, no, Casanova. We'll just wait till you're 50. <laughs> yeah. Because everyone lives that long. And these guys are in their the 70s time, or though, like, yeah. He might not live till 50, right. so yeah. he might never have <laughs> he to did, share that. He did, but yeah, he, oh, nice. you never know. Good for him. Casanova told his new friends he didn't believe this, though. Oh, I don't believe the hermit, he said. I'm going to just tell you the formula. And they were like, no, Casanova. Well, that's kind of funny. Because he knew they would believe well, the story. Yeah. And they refused to let him share it. Bragadan adopted Casanova as his own. And Casanova had no compunction about his charade, since he said if he ever revealed the truth, he'd risk Signor Bragadan dying. Hmm. Because he believed in everything Casanova said, right? And right, that's how right. he saved his life. So this to, dude is pretty smart. Mm -hmm. To challenge that would bring the whole house of cards down and the senator would die. The story perfectly captures Casanova's half-belief in the occult. He doesn't believe in his own Kabbalistic formula, but he does believe in his intuitive cure. And he knows that the senator's belief in his Kabbalah is essential to the senator's well-being. This is a constant in Casanova's life. Themes of forbidden books, Kabbalistic schemes, they repeat again and again. He joins the Freemasons. He explores Rosicrucianism. In prison, he mocks his cellmates for believing in curses and false angelic visitors. But the curses do change the man's health, and Casanova selects his day and time of departure, remember, with an oracle. Hmm. 
We might say that he engages with occultism on his own terms, unwilling to believe anything on faith, but capable of recognizing its power when he sees it. He's also an opportunist, willing to use occultism as he's able to, and unafraid to manipulate it according to his needs. There's a core to his magical belief, namely the power of belief to influence people, both physically and mentally. But there's a lot of room for him to pivot. This kind of opportunistic and flexible attitude is a hallmark of Casanova's way of living, and uh, we've done the occultism, we've done occult Casanova. I could get out of Dodge here, but uh, as a special treat, since this is the Sex and Spirituality series, let's talk about some of Casanova's more famous sexual exploits, shall we? (coughs) Please. Yeah, this is what I, I guess, was waiting for. Yeah, honestly. To okay. be... So it's really not part of the occultism. Like, it's barely mixed right. in there. That is our podcast. But I'm very interested in... Yeah. Occultism. But we're going to do the sex. You ready? You're interested in what, Brie? In the sex? What do you want to well, hear? Well, no, like, just because based on having only really, like, known, like, the, the phrasing and, like, being, like, the whole referencing to Casanova and stuff. What makes him Casanova? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to call him hypersexual. I don't know if this is the term. I didn't look it up, but I'm going to call him hypersexual, and I'm going to make this point to you. Uh, Beginning with his homoeroticism, he was always at the sort of like edge of sex. He was always pushing it to its natural limits. Mm. He was not bisexual because the concept didn't really exist, uh, and he wasn't actually having sex with men and women. He was only having sex with women. Um, But he was, as I said, flexible and willing to pivot that's why I'm using the word hypersexual to describe him. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I've put here, he wouldn't let a cock get in the way of the pursuit of pleasure. Okay, I respect that. Yeah, yeah. And if listeners out there, you don't like cock as our operative phallic word, Casanova in his memoir gives us many alternatives. For example, thunder, steed, principal agent of humanity. Ooh. Oh my that's that a, hits hard <laughs> and this is a good one i like this one he also calls his penis the word with a capital All w right. the word the, it's like that grease song what is, you know what oh, yeah. no. how about his words for sperm you want some of those yes please. yes liquor nectar and humid radical I think liquor is my least favorite one for some reason. <laughs> you like humid radical? I need to like think about that one for a second. I like that more than like, liquor. <laughs> I don't know. Break that down in my head to make it make sense. All right, let's do some sex stories. When he was 19, this is one of his more famous adventures. When he was 19, he met 17-year-old Bellino. Bellino was a castrado traveling with his mother and two sisters. <gasps> Bellino. I with know what that is. His mother and two sisters was a castrado. It's the opera they were he was in the opera and it's the term for like the like they would have the young boys sing the really high part then that was that part right and how did they get them to be able to do that oh they castrated them right? yes yes yeah. learn that in opera class so uh Bellino was traveling with his mother and his two sisters his sisters were a musician and a dancer respectively and casanova instantly fell in love with the young man oh a castrato, as Olivia sang, had had his testicles removed to be able to sing the high notes, to continue to sing the high notes long after puberty. And in some parts of Europe, because remember, Bellino's like 17. In some parts of Europe, while girls could sing the roles, only true castratos were allowed to sing the roles. Mm. You needed an actual castrato. The exigencies of taking on the role of castrato put them in demand, and so it was not uncommon for teenage girls to pretend to be castratos to get that extra bump in pay, or even to be able to sing at all. Casanova believed Bellino was female. 
He pressed Bellino on this issue over and over again. Alone with him by the fire, he caught the outline of something that could be nothing other than a penis. But then, when they were alone in a carriage, he continued to press Bellino, insisting this penis could only be an abnormally large clitoris. And Bellino said, no, man, I'm a man. The reason they were in the carriage is that they were traveling together to the same inn, and they decided they would share a bed, because they were just two dudes. Yeah. There, finally, Bellino gave himself over to Casanova for a passionate inspection, and himself turned out to be actually herself. Ooh. Oh my okay. god, I didn't see that coming. I, did not yeah. I don't know why, but I really I didn't. Did not. The abnormally large clitoris turned out to be a strap-on phallus. I love that. Which Casanova asked her to put on for a demonstration and then said, you can go ahead and leave it on for what we're about to do. Hell yeah! yeah. <laughs> love that. Yeah. She got out of bed, poured some water into a cup, opened her trunk and pulled out her device and its glue. She then melted the glue and applied the camouflage. What I saw then was incredible. A girl whose charm was visible in all her person, but who, with that white appendage, looked even more appealing to me, for it posed no obstacle to the reservoir of her sex. Wow. I have so many, like... I just want to know what everything looked like. So, like, how, like, what, what did, like, a, like, what, what would it have looked phallus? like back what then? What did the like dildo look like? Yeah, in yeah, seventeen like, something. That's so crazy. Because I know they had like the, like the wooden, like that was a thing from my feminism class. Yeah. But I don't know. It's probably polished pretty well, so it wouldn't. But that hurt. was like medieval, so I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and that was like wood. a no, 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 no situation. <laughs> like you never have a dildo. Well, no, it was just like. This was what I'm talking about is a case of like it was like two women, but you can't say lesbians because oh, yeah, yeah. They you can't use the term because they didn't yeah. exist. But yeah, all right, I'm gonna it's tell like you, a history thing. We'll okay. switch to oh, go ahead. Oh, I didn't have anything. To say. She was just looking at I me weird, like why I said yeah. lesbians didn't exist. I'm going to do uh, well. I mean, there were people they, who had homosexual but feelings, the, the but when we talk about it yeah, in yeah, history, you're not identity concept. Yeah. Okay, so now I'm going to tell you another homoerotic story. This I love this one. In the Turkish city of Corfu, he was propositioned by a man named Effendi Ismail. Casanova laughed at him and said he was no enthusiast for that sort of thing, meaning sex with a man. When Ismail pressed him, Casanova decided to leave. But then, late one night, he returned when Ismail offered to show him something he wouldn't want to miss. He's like, I'm going to show you something cool, man. You're going to want to come with me. Yeah. Well, you'll, you'll find out. Okay. From a pavilion behind a cover of trees, they watched as three beautiful naked girls bathed in a pool. And then Ismael reached over to pleasure Casanova, and Casanova reciprocated. Because that's only fair. I kind of love this. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, not the creeping uh, on girls right, part. Right, yeah. Like, maybe no. we don't do but that. The, but, like, that. you know, you didn't it's have porn, so I, I guess I just think I that, <laughs> you know, the Casanova, this great ladies' man... He's got some definite homoeroticism going on in his life story. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's... Well, I mean, I don't know. We want to get into this, but then... 
I guess you could argue that they're like there's the whole thing of guys like doing that nowadays, but they wouldn't say that. But there's, gay. but I mean that I think you it's just further I mean? demonstration of the sexuality spectrum, right? right. Sure, they're not gay, but right. I, I mean, what I would exactly. say about Casanova is, fine, he's he's not gay, but he's also not turned off by a penis. Yeah, yeah, which I think, yeah, it just goes back to it being sexuality. Yeah, more I think he's than, a, you know, was Casanova's granted at the time. Positive maybe, that sexuality is can be a very. He's like an uber sex man, and he he lets the penis mm-hmm. be a part of an adventure, not just his. I kind of like that he's like not always like I don't know about this, but in the end, he's like, you know. Why not? Now you guys have been very polite about this. You didn't bug me about it at the beginning, but I bet you would like to know a little bit more about his affair with a bride of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. The nun M. Oh, the nun? Yeah. Right. I uh, forgot about the nun. Some people think that she was Marina Morosini, which matters not to many people unless you're a Marina Morosini scholar man. <laughs> man a man who loves maria morosini uh but that's probably who the nun was mm um in venice so let's get into this story so this will be the story we end with fyi for folks who just wish this would go on forever this is it in this is a great story too in venice okay but it starts weird sorry Kesnov had sex with a lot of like just post-pubescent people we have to bear in mind in the 18th century post-pubescent people were sexually of you know they were considered to be oh yeah, yeah there wasn't like statutory rape well there wasn't the concept of a minor yeah right that's what i'm saying oh so, if well, you were I'm physically developed enough to have sex then yeah. it was what it was yeah i mean people were getting married and so his latest like love 12. interest was the 14 year old cc who he didn't name either but was likely katarina capreta who uh who was shut up in a convent to prevent casanova from eloping with her so he's oh like they were supposed to get yeah, married eventually, he was like in but... love with her and the family was like well no you're like a big old man whore so we're gonna lock her in a convent away from you casanova because we don't want her to marry you're also like the oh. son of actors and stuff like we don't, they don't want them to even. yeah they oh, don't they want don't her want with casanova even... so they okay. lock her in a convent right. so casanova yeah. goes to the convent and while he's there he's like whoa who's that chick it's maria marosini mm Meets wait, a different, so different nun, yeah. So, so, this is, oh, okay. so Casanova goes now. to break his lady out of a convent, and while he's there, he gets turned on by a nun. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. He can pick women up All anywhere. Right. Now I'm here. So, Got it. So this is an island convent. It's a convent located on an island. What? Okay. It's okay. like a prison. Got it. Uh, an M.M., regularly escaped from her island convent to have liaisons with the French ambassador. So M.M., our lady here, she was already stepping out on Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, She's not like this innocent, you know, the Casanova comes and corrupts. Part of her appeal to him is that she's living a free lifestyle despite being in a convent. Okay, got it. She was a beautiful blonde nun. Uh, but she was not in love with her ambassador, and she sent a love note to Casanova when she saw him sneaking around the convent, which sparked their torrid affair. We have to keep in mind that women entered convents for a variety of reasons at this time period, often enough having at least as much to do with financial constraints as religious commitments. 
MM, like Casanova, did not follow Catholic dogma, but rather defined her own spirituality. The greatest pleasure is to live and die peacefully, which we cannot hope to do if we believe what the priests tell us. I can say that I did not begin to love God until I disabused myself of the idea religion had given me of him. Yeah, I'm done with that. Yeah. Smart lady. Yeah. That was a nice quote. Wow. She's a perfect partner for Casanova, a nun who does not take her religion too seriously. She is passionately individualistic while occupying a profoundly prescriptive role. While her ambassador is away, M.M. leaves the convent by gondola. Casanova rents a casino where the pair enjoy a sumptuous feast and eat oysters out of each other's mouths. And then, sorry, I was getting... Sorry. I know, I know. Oysters are not the kind of... Sorry. Don't don't do that That's not the kind of food that I would want to, like, slurp out of someone's throat. No. But wait, there's more. They have sex for seven... Seven hours. No. Until Casanova (laughs) makes himself bleed from too much ejaculation. I don't even have a penis and that hurt my penis. I should have taken a picture of Olivia's face. (laughs) I like felt that in my non-existent penis when you said that. This is that all... brought me joy. I don't know. <laughs> this, by the way, is only one of countless encounters between M.M. and Casanova with her sneaking out of the convent and the two of them having hours and what? hours of sex. What else is there to do after seven hours? You did everything. I'll tell you what. The French ambassador developed an interest in watching them. Oh, yeah. Of course Wait, he did. the ambassador that was the ambassador, yeah, her, her ambassador? original guy is now coming and watching love them. This. I love this. I love this. Then Fantastic. he joins them. And then Casanova goes back to the original girl who had been locked in the convent. And now we have a, not a menage a trois, a, a menage a quatre. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah. Oh, but she's, we're, I'm going to ignore it. Uh, yeah. Well, she, she, let's say she's 16 by now. So she's at least Disney princess age. Yeah. So I was about to say what Snow White is supposed to be like 13, 14. Yeah, she's Sleeping young. Beauty is supposed to be like the same age. Wow. Okay. Well. All right, then. You know? It is in the midst of this wild sex with three other people that Casanova is caught with his occult library, arrested, and sent to the leads, where our episode began. Oh, that's great. And so. So did they get done the foursome, or was it in the middle? Literally in the middle. Oh, no, 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 no. They were having foursomes on a regular basis. Oh, okay. And then the party got cut off by... The police. Yeah. Wow, that's kind of. But MM was still in love with him, and he was in love with her, and she was trying to help him get out, selling her jewels and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. So this is as good a place as any to leave our friend Giacomo Casanova, hypersexual, intellectual, and quasi-mystical, consulting the oracle himself in matters of life and death while using false oracles to fool the credulous, wrapped in the arms of two women and a man who have escaped from a convent. I have I questions. <laughs> That's our man. I knew you guys would like him. I'm very pleased. I had so many questions that just went through my head. Um, I probably wait, so don't have the answers. What? You said he lived past like 50. So like he what, lived into his 70s. Yeah. Did he just die from like natural causes? Yeah, he was old. Yeah. He's just old. Did he ever get married? Well, he lived until 1798. When did I say 1725? He was born. So yeah, he lived to like 72, 73. Did he, so you never got married or anything? Nope, never got married. 
He almost got married many times. Did he have any kids? I'm sure he did. But well, I mean, I guess not that he had I guess any, did he have any, any that any he name to? claimed close to him? Yeah. I uh, I I don't. I think he did. There may have been a child or two that he identified. Yeah. Hmm. I feel like I have like more questions, but I don't even know. He's a fascinating figure. I'm like, I guess I'm very interested in how, like, I can see clearly how, like, the parallels of how that got taken and then how he would even be, like, the idea of a Casanova would become, like, super, like, sexually immoral and, like, therefore, like, religiously immoral in a way. And, like, I could see how that even stems from that and stuff. But, like, I guess I'm, it's, I guess it's still interesting to me that, like, because now that you tell me all that, like, I get the connection, but it still seems so far removed from the phrase. I think it's a distortion to call a fuckboy a Casanova. Yeah, like, that's kind of what I'm yes. saying. Like, ca- I think when you're saying a Casanova, like, you're not, you're not, like, regarding them as a smart person, necessarily. Like, you're not saying they're clever in how they're, like... Or even Casanova, it was like sex was everywhere for him. Like, it's not just... He's screwing a bunch of girls. And it's not even like the con. I think the connotation of Casanova is like that the girls are pissed about it. Like yes. the girl, there's like a. They're often not. Right. And it seems like these women were all fucking they're down, all for which it. Yeah. is very liberating. But like. He was existing at a time period where this was happening, where we had these sorts of men and women wandering around in certain circles. He was in this sort yeah. of like sex party club and he was the ringleader it's that's why it's interesting it's so interesting that it's such a gendered like i get why it's such a gendered like male centric like i would say even an insult like i wouldn't say it's like a compliment to call someone a casanova not at this point no no i think maybe like because like i think like even when you like like people would bring up like fabio like as like (laughs) that's a casanova right like that's what people think of like as like the traditional like that's what mom would say like if she like because i only know that phrase from like older people i don't know that phrase from people (laughs) my age necessarily so not to tangent but i i just think it's really interesting how gendered it is even though like through the story you find out like well it's all these women were down it's if anything and it's it's not even like particularly mm and right. a lot of the times, like, I feel like the, the current connotation is that, like, a Casanova is a man who sleeps around in a very distasteful way. Like, he has to kind of, like, find his way through these women, and they're unhappy about it. And he always, like, he has to, like, get to the women. He's got to, like, get them. Whereas Casanova, it's just mm-hmm. kind of like, a, hey, you want to do this? Hey, let's do this. Whereas nowadays, it's like... It's a lot more creepier when yeah, you say it. Yeah, it's like it. you need to <laughs> like, like you yeah. need to achieve getting the girl now versus then yeah. it was just like you just get the girl. Like everybody It's just even wants it's like a tricking of the girl. Exactly. I feel like it's, it's like a tricking a part of the connotation. Yeah. Well, there's I don't know. He's just I mean with Bellino, he's just so insistent all the time. Like yeah. he's not really tricking her. He's just constantly right pressing her and she never leaves like she's always just hanging out with him she never like get away from me yeah even though well, he's constantly saying are you a girl are you a girl are you a girl like multiple of the women involved they they kept doing it they, they stayed they hung around they him it wasn't around. like a threatening thing in that scenario whereas nowadays it's like it's like a scorecard type deal he's was, not a scorecard guy because yeah. he enjoys the crap out of these women yeah. he loves spending time with them i mean he yeah. was even in a foursome with two women who in theory should not have liked each each other other. and a man who joined who should not have liked him crazy still which is very interesting yeah i don't so yeah i feel like we almost need to completely change the 
the connotation well, yeah, like of you just the said, word. It's like he enjoyed the time with the women. And he wasn't no. just there to to come and go. Like it he wasn't was there a to spend time with seven them. hours, one night man. stand yeah. necessarily. <laughs> even no, and it wasn't like a all right, never see you again. It was like a oh, we can still talk. We yeah, we're friends, yeah, we're friends, probably. Like we well, can with have Bellino, wine yeah, you would go months this. and months with these girls, mm. and he would lose touch with them yeah. as he moved around. But yeah, well, he would go cell months phones. and months. With them. Yeah, they didn't have cell phones. That's true, and he didn't go seek them out afterwards. I mean, he's such a complicated figure. I don't want to say that he's like the man of Me Too for any, you know. You're going to read things that disturb you. He's, these girls are young. He's often right. young. There's obviously things that within context. Standards like of the context time period, are, yeah, yeah are very different. So I don't, again, don't write us reviews about, you know, we're like Casanova's the hero of our times. But No, we're not. Yeah. He's just, it's, he's just, he is different. I, I think you're absolutely right to point out that he's misunderstood, mm. that his sexuality is misunderstood and far more complex than we give him credit for. My sources today included The Story of My Life by Giacomo Casanova and Casanova the Irresistible by Philippe Sollers, translated by Armand Coton Mortimer. All right. Well, we, we don't have nothing to do any in the order of confessors anymore these days because I've been doing everything in the plugs. So we're just going to get on out of here. What? Bye. Oh, you want me to say the thing at the end? <laughs> yeah, we got to say that first. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye. See you. Goodbye. <laughs> I hereby adjourn and declare close this meeting of the secret order of alchemical actors till such time as we get together and do it again. Our voice boys were hanging in for us again this day. Uh, Lucy Bond doing the voice of M.M. And we've got uh, Andrew Mims and uh, Brandon Walls and Sean Priest. Luke is getting married any day now so he's not going to do a voice for this episode my name is rob c thompson joined by the literal sisters olivia our grandmaster it's great to be back i love you all and brie our metallurgic prophet bye guys in our next episode we will explore the worship of the penis penis worship so saddle it's a up. fitting follow-up here and vagina worship is genital worship actually but it was called phallic worship because you know it was the 19th century here on a call confessions